Yeah, okay. So, friends, what happened is that we recorded an entire game segment, but I had OBS messed up uh, a little bit. Classic audio flub. So the video is fine. So we're just going to replay the video uh, of what we did and then sort of talk over the video and like well, this is sort of a, a i guess you call it a director's commentary of an episode sure 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 um yeah. so we started in the graveyard like before mm-hmm. um where we'd gotten the the adult shield yeah the hylian shield yeah the hylian shield um as an adult you use it on your arm but as a child you use it as like a turtle shell shield on your back it's pretty kinda, cool though yeah it's it's cool um it's also, um, whatchamacallit, it's, it's made of metal, so it's immune to being burned up, which is the child's shield can be burned up by certain fire enemies or falling into lava. Yeah, because the Deku shield is made of wood. Yeah. And then the gate guard up to Death Mountain says, oh, this is this is surely Princess Zelda's handwriting. Well, let's see. Mm, okay, this is Link. He is under my orders to save Hyrule. <laughs> what kind of funny game has our princess come up with now? Okay, okay, all right. You can go now. Just be careful, Mr. Hero. Wa-ha-ha-ha-ha! And he, he taps the spear on the ground, and then the gate opens, which I always thought was very magical as a child. There's a weird thing where the gate uh, sort of has a little bit sticking out, but when you're an adult, I'm pretty sure that sticking out part is gone. And oh. I always thought that there was some, like, story behind I don't know. I don't know why. I always thought there was something behind it, though. No, that's an interesting difference. They don't just copy the map forward and that there's actually two different maps in there. Like, they made it. I think it's like a... I think it acts as, like, um, an extra sprite or something, and that's why it's not gone when it shifts over to the left into the wall. Yeah. Um, And then they just don't want to load in that sprite to the adult zone because, like, it's never impeding your... Right. The gate's um, just 100% gone instead of withdrawn into the into the wall. So the whole time we've been talking, the guard has been going on and on about the happy mask salesman and uh, all this stuff about Hyrule Market Town and tells you to get a shield and actually gives you a discount if you go back to the bazaar in Hyrule Castle Town. But uh, we're going right up the mountain because we have everything we need. The Happy Mask Shop is not an interesting side quest, I would say. I think it's probably cool the first time you do it, but it's one of those things where if you fully know all the details behind it, it's like even more of a fetch quest feeling than, than a lot of the other ones because you're walking back and forth to the um, the mask shop. Yeah. Anyway, we're walking up this mountain. There were some uh, Tektites that attacked us. We were able to heal by uh, defeating one who had three hearts in it. Um, a Tektite is, um, it's got a flat body and it's got four legs. It's like it a around. jumping spider, but only four legs and yeah. one central eye. Uh, I think it has one eye. Yeah, it's got one eye in the middle of its, of its flat, squarish body. So we get to Goron City. Goron City is a sort of a series of consecutive rings that get smaller as you go down. So it's sort of like an amphitheater. Um, and there's a few things to do here. The main thing we're going to do is first there's a mat in front of a locked door. 
and the map has the um, Hyrule Royal Crest, the Triforce, which is also the Hyrule Royal symbol. I don't think this map does. That has like uh, Durania's Durunia's symbol on it. Is it just the door that has? Oh. See, it's... Yeah, it's just Darunia's symbol. I think the point is, like, he's royalty, you're playing the royal song to activate the thing. Yeah. I think that's the whole idea. Okay. And we mostly wanted to get in here to get to these lit torches that will allow us, with the Deku stick, to transfer the flame uh, upstairs. Um, we're also lighting a little series of torches that starts a weird vase spinning, and um, I opened the, the shop as well. Yeah, the shop has a cracked wall in front of it, which makes sense. That's what you put in front of your shop. But then there's bomb flowers, and if the bomb flowers are lit by the flame, yeah, if they're lit by a flame source, they'll fall off of their little um, bomb flower, um, the leafy roots, I guess you'd call them, and then they will they will activate, which blows up the um, the walls. There's a similar situation here. We've run upstairs, lit a few more torches, and then we're opening a secret passageway with that same bomb flower technique. Yeah, this goes off to the Lost Woods. Yeah, it's like a teleport. It doesn't exactly make sense. Like, uh, it, it's fine. It's like a gamey thing where you, you teleport into uh, the Lost Woods from either the outside of Zora's domain or um, uh, Goron City. Or Kakariko Village. I mean, I like that the Lost Woods... Oh, where's the Kakariko Village one? What do you mean? Well, I mean, that's how... The, the traditional entrance to the Lost Woods is at Kakariko Village in the upstairs portion at the back of the village. Like, if you take a wrong turn and, and it dumps you out of the woods, that you're... It's dumping you... I'm sorry, not Kakariko. I meant... Kokiri, Kokiri. Forest. Okay, I'm sorry. I was totally confused when you said Kakariko. I was like, what? Yeah. No, no, no. That was my bad. Yeah, so it's like connecting the different non-human peoples, which is cool. I also just realized you can get to the lake pretty easily from even as even like the Goron City because you could transfer to the woods, walk over one screen, and then um, transfer to Zora's Domain, walk inside, then transfer to the lake. And that would get you all the way across the map. So that's pretty useful. Yeah. You can only take the Zora warp after you have the silver scale, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll see that. At the end of uh, this episode. Yeah, during this episode we get there. I'm running around the forest maze, and I'm using Deku Nuts to stun the uh, Deku scrubs who fire little three-round bursts at you. I don't know why. I just think it's more fun to play with Deku Nuts. I, I like Zelda like item fighting gameplay. This, I think it might come from having started on the 2D Zeldas where item fighting was really important. Yeah, yeah. In Link's Awakening, it's all about item fighting because you don't want to have to stop and switch to your sword every second, so you just use what you got in hand. Yeah. Um, and there was stuff like the hook shot just takes people out like nobody's business in that game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after you go to the Lost Woods, you can get to the Sacred Forest Meadow, which has a wolfos and a gate and a maze. And then you can get to the Sacred Forest um, uh, Grove? Is it just... I, I don't know if it actually has a name. Yeah. Um, but here we see Saria, who we met before as we left the um, Kokiri village. And she's sitting on a stump playing an ocarina. Our oldest friend. 
our oldest friend. She's 500 years old. I've been waiting for you, Link. This is the Sacred Forest Meadow. It's my favorite place. This place will be very important for both of us someday. That's what I feel. If you play the ocarina here, you can talk with the spirits in the forest. Would you like to play the ocarina with me? Yes. Okay, try to follow along with the melody. I will play. Are you ready? And so then we get to learn Saria's song, which is uh, down, right, left, down, right, left. We have a friend who looks kind of like uh, Saria because of the, the green hair and the shortness. Yeah, yeah. If you turn Elliot's hair from like a seafoam blue-green to like a like a forest green-green, um, they would be a dead ringer for Saria. Great, great. Okay, please don't forget this song. Do you promise? When you want to hear my voice, play Saria's song. You can talk with me anytime. And then... You mentioned this when we first did the playthrough, but I guess Surya's song is like a backup hint system when Navi's hints can't help. Oh, yes, that's true. I, I suppose a lot of people don't know that, but if you play Surya's song throughout um, different portions of the game, I don't know if it's the whole game um, just because of the way the story works out with Surya being a sage, but I'm pretty sure she'll give you like hints on like what area you're supposed to go to the same way that navi will be like oh that weird cloud over death mountain is the fire temple go to the fire temple link um then surya will do similar stuff especially in uh the child sections yeah so you've got like multiple backup hint systems in case you start getting lost i guess and that's that's good um yeah we had we had the printed strategy guide so I never really used the hint systems because I just read the guide a bunch of times. We actually, I think we had the strategy guide before we had the game itself. That is true. We had the strategy guide because we we knew we wanted the guide and the game, and then um, we didn't have enough money for the game saved up, and so we were just like, you know, we're just gonna get the guide while we can because by the time we get back to the store, we'll have enough money for the game. Yeah, kids have weird logic for what they want to buy. Well, I mean... I mean, I guess it's not the worst. I I think... If we hadn't bought it, there wasn't anything else that we would have gotten instead, and we were going to buy it later. And, you know, when in the day, you had to go to Toys R Us, and, you know... It's a whole trip across town. It's a whole trip across town. You only go there when you're already going to the area Toys R Us is in. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a big deal to go to a place these days... Amazon ships everything to you, or you just download it? Well, also, it's not a big deal for me to go across town now, whereas, like, as a little kid, like, I'm not gonna <laughs> right. convince a parent, like, yeah, let's go all the way across town yeah, let's to Toys R Us and spend money. Town. Yeah, let's go do that. That's a good plan. <laughs> anyway, in the Lost Woods, we also got um, a piece of heart. By playing Surya's um, song for the Skull Kid, who is actually the same Skull Kid as the Majora's Mask storyline. That's cool. Um, and then uh, we do a little shooty game here uh, and get a, a improvement to our bag. slingshot. Yeah, you, um, you get double maximum ammo on your slingshot. I think it's only plus 10. I think it goes from 30 to 40, and then when you beat the additional game... Um, uh, with the little uh, target gallery in Hyrule Castle Town, that an additional ten brings you to fifty. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Um, 
the the Lost Woods consist of a series of rooms that are like darkened, so you can't see into the next room easily until you approach, and then it plays music if you're getting closer to Saria, and it it doesn't play music otherwise, and then a, a lot of the rooms uh, exits they like just sort of go into nowhere, and if you take a, a nowhere exit, then it dumps you back at the Kiri Forest. Actually, if you have Surya's song, it no longer does that effect. So it only helps you. It only helps guide you the first time that you're going there. And as oh. soon as you've talked to Surya, you have to figure out the exit yourself, which can be a little difficult because, um, yeah, if you take the wrong door and they all all the rooms have four doors, so you enter, you see three ahead of you, uh, one to the left, one to the right, one straight ahead, and. Um, then, uh, then you gotta go through. But yeah, the last, the, the last door, you can't do any cheats to like throw a Deku nut through to see if it's an open doorway or if it's a stop. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's a few ways you can figure it out. And then with Saria's song, we go back to Goron City, and oh, for for Darunia, he absolutely goes nuts with the. He's dancing. It's a pretty good cutscene. Like they show him. They put the camera behind a flame at one point, so when he's talking about how hot this dance is, he's literally got fire all around him. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very great. Um, and then his depression is gone because of the magic of Surya's song. I mean, it's literally a magic song. So. Yeah, it's a magic song. And he's like, hey, well, I'll give you this ritual stone of fire if you... Help us. If you get... Yeah, if you can... Uh, solve the problem that we're having with the Gor with the Dodongo Caverns. Um, and why don't you just go destroy the Mongoose inside of the Dodongo Caverns and prove yourself to us? That way, everyone will be happy again. If you do it, I'll give you anything you want, even the spiritual stone. I have something for you. I'm not really giving you this in return for anything, but take it anyway. If you wear this, even a little fellow like you can pick a bomb flower using A. So now we can pick them straight out of the ground rather than needing to use a flame to activate them. Yeah. And bombs in this game hurt you. Uh, it's like a thing in Zelda that sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, and it just depends on the game. Um, and I, I love the games where they don't hurt you. Zelda 1 and Link's Awakening. Um, and it's always funny to watch people online running away from the bombs when I know that they wouldn't get hurt anyway. Yeah. I mean, you want to uh, be careful about your bomb usage just because of, like, ammo concerns or whatever, but you never have that uh, worry of hurting yourself. In the first game especially, until you get an upgrade, you only have eight bombs. So we ran out of Death Mountain, or Goron City, out to Death Mountain Trail, um, and we're going to throw a... Uh, bomb flower that we can now lift out of the ground and throw it to break the boulder in front of the Dodongo Cavern because uh, then we can start level two. But before we go there, we're going to um, backflip uh, off a cliff in a very awesome fashion to collect a heart piece that you're actually supposed to get with like um, uh, magic bean like floaty platform what do you even call those um if you plant a magic bean as a child and water it then as an adult when you go there it's there's like um 
There's I guess this is a floating leaf platform, yeah. Yeah, it, it moves like a magic carpet, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Um, and then you can ride it to different like. There's ten magic bean locations in the game, and each one can go to different places. Like they're they're fixed dirt patches that you're supposed to sort of solve a puzzle with a magic bean. However. I think this one, maybe others, but particularly this one you can solve without using the magic bean. Yeah, there are some that are pretty cool, but a lot of them don't really do much. Like, um, I think this one actually might rise you up enough so that you can jump to the next level uh, and be in that upper area, which is actually a pretty cool little shortcut. Because, you know, when you're running around to talk to people and blah, blah, blah. Also... If that's true, I just realized you might be able to use it when you're doing the Big Orange Sword quest. Maybe I'll do that, just for funsies. I'll plant the bean to see if it helps on the race to the top of the mountain. Yeah, that would actually would be a really cool thing if it if it helped on that quest. By the way, we entered the Dodongo Cavern, which is a big central room with some lava and some pillars and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Right when you enter, there's like it it cuts you off from the main dungeon, and then you bomb a wall with a bomb flower, and you walk into this big cavern, and you see a giant Dodongo skull at the other end, and there's a weird new enemy in the center. Which like, can you describe the Bemos? So the Bemos is what you get if you take a lamp, and you put a little twisty bit on top that spins around constantly. It's like a Cyclops eye. And whenever the Cyclops eye sees Link, it shoots a laser. Um, in this particular game, the laser shoots at the ground. And uh, seeks you. Yeah, it's it seeks you. And so um, you have, as long as you stay moving, it won't actually catch you. This is more of just um, an enemy that applies pressure, not an enemy that will generally kill you. Yeah, I mean, they have some setups later in the game where, like, the Bemos is shooting at you and other stuff, like a spinning blade trap is there in the same little zone. So it's it's pretty good in combo with other things. Yeah. Um, and it makes a cool noise, like... Yeah. Um, and then, but the, the weirdest part, though, is that the base of the Bemos has, like, a, like a teeth-out angry face on it. Well, maybe it's supposed to be a face. Um, we've gone through a couple doors, um, and we've reached this cool cavern where you fight some lizards. It's like a bunch of hexagon patterns uh, above... Um, it's not like active magma, but it's like that half... Half-cooled lava. Half-cooled yeah. lava, and then you're fighting these lizards who are running around, and they're, they're the first... Lizolfos that I can think of. I don't think other games have them before this. Um, and I'm doing like some Deku stick jump attacks to get the four damage hits. Um, but now that I've hit each lizard with one Deku stick, I'm going back to the Kokiri sword. Now what makes this fight interesting, um, I think, is that when you when you do it, there's two Lizolfos in the room but only one of them will actually approach you at a time, so you sort of get used to fighting these big monsters that have this dangerous sword and all that. Yeah, um, I didn't go to it, but they're, they're, I've just defeated the lizards, and I'm collecting rupees. 
there's actually a secret behind one of these lava waterfalls that's on the edge of the room. And then this room actually combines with another room above it that had I stopped to look, um, you can look down from one of the further chambers onto this one. And then in that one, you also fight lizards. It's pretty cool. Anytime you're in a big open room, you're going to fight a lizard. Um, so when I'm running through these dungeons, I'm skipping most of the extra chambers. We've already skipped like two rooms, I think. And there's at least one more that I'll skip before the end of the dungeon. Like you wouldn't know this playing through it the first time that those essentially just have bonuses and things, but, um, but they really do pad out the length of the dungeon. If you don't know which way to go and you go to all the offshoot rooms, I'd say it's an extra like five to 10 minutes of like sort of fighting and figuring out what's happening in that room. Yeah. Between the several. So, you know, it really adds to the dungeon, I think, so that it doesn't feel like a loop or a straight line or anything. And this is this is a great design, by the way. Yeah. Because you've got to go in all these doors, like figure out from the main room, like, uh, how do I reach like the upper level? How do I unlock the door? Like all these different things. And Yeah. This one is, um, this is like a Snowhead Temple light, like a Snowhead Temple from Majora's Mask. Right, yeah, I think of it as like a, a pretty good early game dungeon, because in the early game, you don't want anything to be too complex or crazy, um, but you want the player to have to, like, solve some weird puzzles, figure out that it's not always going to be fully straightforward, um, Although sometimes stuff like that. you did get a straightforward puzzle like this one here. There's some stairs with bomb flowers all around them, and <clears throat> you pick up one bomb flower that's sort of off to the side, and you set it between the two rows of bomb flowers. And then when it blows up, it blows up the nearby bomb flowers, and then causing all the flowers to explode in a big dramatic fashion. It it not only lowers the stairs, but it like triggers a cutscene of the stairs lowering. It's pretty cool. It, the whole thing, like, it's a series of explosions that uh, have to time out so that the left and the right explosion happen at the same time. And um, so, you know, it's just like a boom, 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 boom. And then yeah. everything collapses downward. Yeah, it's not like in, say, Minecraft, where, where one thing exploding immediately triggers into the next. There's a, a little bit of delay, so you get a much more dramatic chain reaction mm, yeah yeah yeah. um i've seen some very dramatic minecraft uh explosion bombs uh either accidentally or intentionally it's one of the best ways to crash the game we got special guest Lyra over there, by the way, in case anyone wanted to say hi to Lyra. I, I wasn't sh I was looking at the, the levels to see if uh, the sort of dog snorting was getting onto the audio. And I, I'm not sure it's hearable, but uh, she is snorting away over there. It's probably a, like a really, really low sound, if anything. Um, so we go back to the main room, cross a bridge, and get into a delightful... Um, it's got these really high pillars and it creates these sort of narrow mazes between these really big pillars. And in the mazes, there's uh, spiked slidey enemies. So you sort of are given a hint to look around the corner to I think those things see what's coming up. Might be called traps. I think that that might be the name for them. I, I call I usually call them blade traps, but I think in the yeah. original game they're literally just called traps. Huh. Okay. Um, 
And they're they're a series mainstay. They're they're a staple from like game one, oh, yeah, three, four, and this is only the fifth Zelda game, so they had been all but one up, up to now. Um so so what you get at the sort of the far side of this room is there's a cracked wall with the tiniest ledge in front of it, and nearby is a bomb flower. So you can either throw the bomb flower just perfectly to get it to go on the cracked wall ledge, or you can employ the more classic tactic of hold the bomb flower above your head while the timer counts down and then have it explode in midair. It's pretty safe to cook bombs in this game because um, they only do, I think they only do a quarter heart damage to you. So if you hold it and it explodes in your hands, it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, unrealistic, maybe, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fun. It's fun. You just take the slightest amount of like, oh, you, you goofed there. Yeah. Heart. Uh, so we shot an eye switch with a uh, uh, with our slingshot to put out the flame. Oh, and we walked down a corridor full of little Dodongos, and we've come to the second lizard fight um, where we are... Uh, in uh, this time a room with a bunch of square-shaped platforms, and we're still doing the same lizard thing. Yeah. And, you know, I another thing I wanted to point out, I didn't notice until literally this last time when I was playing this, yeah. that when the lizard is off to a second platform and is sort of like... They, they kind of, like, um, intimidate you by, like, staring you down while the other one fights you and, and whatever. But while they're doing that, they put away their sword so that they can sort of hop in place. And there's this great little animation for when they're drawing their sword. They look yeah. like... They have a sword drawing animation. They look kind of murderous. Too. And I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely... They're trying their best to get rid of Link. They're what makes, helps make them one of the scarier foes. So we're running out to the center of a big uh, platform, but we can oversee that other room from here, like I talked about. And there's this great layer of like fog or clouds from the upper room that actually makes the lower room... Um, Just lightly obscured. Lightly obscured and like creepier when you're down there because it's above you. Yeah. This room has an eye switch that sets out a flame, but then you have to get to the middle platform and put out a second eye switch fast enough so that the first flame doesn't come back. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's like, well, because so to get to the two Lizzafols rooms, there was a similar setup, but with only one one flaming platform. So they're just sort of giving you an enhanced version of a puzzle you already know how to solve, which I think is always nice in a game. Yeah, we found the bomb bag here. There's not much to note about it. It You can just pick up bombs for yourself, but they're identical to how um, bomb flower bombs work. So you're doing the exact same damage, same consequences. Um, I'm glad that it's actually like identical so that you don't have to like learn one thing and then like suddenly learn another. Right, that would not be cool. I activated a shortcut in case I messed up so that we'll be able to get back to the second level with one of the initial room pillars that will um, now go all the way up to the second floor. And we're on the second bridge. We're above the giant Dodongo skull. Um, and we're dropping bombs into the eye sockets, which turns them from black to red. And then when the second one opens, then... Uh, the mouth opens, yeah. and you can walk into it, and that's where the second half of the dungeon is. Is it's... hidden behind this, like, creepy skull. 
Yeah, and the, the shading on the skull, it's like purple on top with green inside the mouth. It doesn't look exactly like anything worldly, so it gives it sort of a very spooky vibe. So we enter into the second half of the dungeon, which is like a shorter, smaller loop than the first portion, but um, uh, it's it's got some... I'd say it's got some interesting moving block puzzles because it seems like you have to move these blocks super far, but then it turns out that if you know where to go, you can just um, climb up and in like this middle room, you don't actually have to do any block movement, which I, I doubt. Um, you yeah. can climb the side here and then from there, climb the wall. Because as a kid, what I would do is I would pull the one block to be in line to push the other off, yeah. and then pull it here. It's like so convoluted when it you can feels, just climb the wall. Yeah, it feels like it's a big deal when you're a kid and you can't necessarily solve the puzzle. I mean, and it is really obvious. I don't know how I kind of didn't see that right away. Because one of the things that, as a kid, like I would try and climb everything to be like, can I just skip this? I wonder if I can push the edges of the game here or prod yeah. the... Because <laughs> it's always fun to kind of break the game a little. Yeah. Um, we also picked up a fairy in a bottle, which is nice. Uh, if you have a fairy in a bottle, when you die, you're automatically revived at some eight number hearts. of hearts. Eight hearts. Which um, is very generous. We're not even going to have eight hearts uh, as a kid, probably, because I'm not going out of my way to get heart pieces. We're only getting the sort of fun ones and the ones that are, like, right there. Um, just because, like, I... This is a pretty easy game when you already know how it works. Like, it, it's not unrealistic to do, like, a three-heart run or whatever. Um, so uh, we thought we'll just get all the dungeon hearts and... A few freebies and have a nice, easy time. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's a fun game that can easily be turned tedious by certain elements. Um, Such as waiting for Dampe to slowly walk around the graveyard. Yeah, waiting for Dampe to walk around the graveyard, um, trying to get... There are ten ghosts. The ghosts are called Pose. And if you kill one, you can bottle its spirit and then take it to a Poe salesman, uh, or like a Poe vendor or something, and they'll buy the Poe spirits. He wants the Poe's. He wants the Poe spirits. <laughs> Whatever they are, that he wants the Poe spirits. And if you sell him all ten Poe spirits, you can get another bottle, which would be a fourth bottle, which is cool, but the Poe's only arrive if you're on horseback and doing horseback archery and stuff, which is just really tedious. They just, they didn't implement it super well in this game, I don't think. Uh, it's not a terrible system, but um, it's, anyway. The horse, the horseback archery in the, the Gerudo target test, that's kind of fun. I Yeah, I actually enjoy that. That's one of the reasons I want to, like, cape for it a little bit, because I'm like, it's not terrible. But you can't make Epona go faster while you're also, um, wow, I forgot I grabbed that bomb flower. Yeah. Um, instead of just using a regular bomb. Uh, you can't make the you can't make Epona continue going faster while you're in the aim mode, and you can only get the pose if you're moving incredibly fast. And so you have to put yourself on a trajectory, then open your menu and just wait yeah. and hope. Yeah, it's the whole thing turns into being kind of tedious. Um, it's worse than our description, which is also very long-winded. Yeah, um, or like the mask <clears throat> the mask shop that we already talked about. 
it's okay to do it, but like you probably wouldn't ever want to do it a second time if you do another playthrough. Right. Um, I'm going to jump back a moment uh, to something that was happening on screen while we were talking about all that. We went into the boss room after pushing a block onto a switch. There was uh, the floor which you bomb out, and then you grab a little chest full of bombs so you're yeah. ready for the fight. Then you jump down through a thing to... A big chamber. A uh, big chamber, yeah. And it, it's pretty cool. This is the first time we've had something like that where you're dropping into... They're really using the 3D well because yeah. the first boss, you look up at it and it drops from the ceiling. And this one, you drop from the ceiling. Yeah, these these aren't things that you could have done on a Super Nintendo. In an impressive way. <laughs> right. Um. So then the actual monster is like a giant four-legged alligator dinosaur thing and you throw bombs in his mouth when he inhales to to like get ready for a fire blast um and then he rolls around and dies and his corpse dissolves into a heart container and you go outside and you talk to darunia <laughs> yeah uh, and there's a great cutscene that starts with darunia congratulating you and he like claps you on the shoulder or whatever but it just crushes link to the ground like He's, yeah. he's down for the count. Nerudian doesn't know his own strength. It's like if a pro wrestler slapped an eight-year-old on the back and the kid just falls over. But in like a comical way, because he's not actually that hurt, you know? I mean, let's be real. He'd probably take one quarter heart of damage. Right. Everything does a quarter heart of damage. Um, anyway, after talking about how you're his sworn brother now, Darunia summons up the uh, spiritual stone of fire. It's pretty cool looking. Everyone can just summon stones. The last one looked like a leaf thing enshrouded by like by like branches, and this looks like a lit torch. I would say, like the top of a lit torch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way to describe it. It's it's a ruby encased in like some gold edging, and the gold is in uh, a triangle with a point at the bottom and flat on top, sort of surrounding the ruby. Um. And the ruby is like a very classic gem shape. It kind of looks like a Diablo II perfect gem. One of the ones where the points is Yeah, it looks like upward. something you'd have on the top of like a wizard staff. If you put oh, that on oh, a wizard yeah. staff, no one would doubt it. Or like a king's scepter. Mm. And then several more Gorons start falling and they always say, you did great. And they like smile and they're all walking at you to give you a big hug. And then you're running and more another Goron drops and you're just you're just booking it out of there. And there's a funny thing when you're when you watch a speedrunner like sort of break the game and uh, like activate that scene as an adult, you move at the same speed. So adult Link is like kind of walking around and like walk running away from them. It, it's pretty funny just because adult Link isn't supposed to move at that speed, really. Yeah, it's uh, a little surreal. But before we leave Death Mountain, even though we've gotten this uh, ruby... As we were instructed. Yeah. There's one more thing to do at the top of the mountain. Um, you can... We're like halfway up the mountain right now. But if you go all the way to the top mountain, um, you can open up with these new bombs a Great Fairy's Shrine. And this particular Great Fairy... I think fairy, it's a fairy fountain. A Great Fairy Fountain. And uh, Darunia tells us about this particular one, uh, as far as I remember. Um, yeah. We were kind of talking over his dialogue, but that's fine. Then I backwalk to avoid all the falling rocks, because it's supposed to be a super dangerous zone. 
And it's it is legitimately dangerous. You end up taking some damage most of the time if you're not doing the backwalk trick because you're not quite fast enough. One of the good things is if you have this Hylian shield as a kid, if one of them's about to fall on you, you can um yeah, do you... the shield at the last second and Link will crouch below and it like um guards it because he's doing that turtle shell maneuver. Yeah, when the shield's on his back and the rocks are falling from above, it's all just perfectly positioned. And we don't worry about the fact that the rock would crush his little body anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, if this were, like, real, he, all his little bones would break uh, when that hit the top of his shield. But that's... Link's a tough kid. Link can have, like, a giant boulder fall on him. And again, that's probably a quarter heart. Uh, Micro's has a half heart damage. Um, Did you know that, like, adult Link has... I don't know if you classify it as armor or if you say, like... Child Link takes more damage, but Adult Link takes half the damage as Child Link hmm. from any given source, as far as I know. Um, I didn't know about that. Yeah, so you're, like, scaled up and tougher, and, and I think that's pretty cool, like, because you'll fight some of the same enemies. You'll fight the Tektites, you'll fight uh, Deku Scrubs if you go in the forest, you know. Yeah. And so stuff that was doing uh, full heart is now doing a half, and, and you're like, wow. I'm twice as tough. So, except yeah. all the little hits still add up because you don't take There's like a less damage. than a quarter. Yeah. Now, this is the Great Fairy Fountain, and it's certainly a look. There's like water, a water effect running down the walls of this room. It's got giant marble flagstone flooring. And a little bit of water. And two big torches. Yeah, two big torches. And there's a, a royal crest. So you, you stand on the Triforce and you play the royal lullaby. And the fairy comes out. And the fairy is basically wearing a poison ivy cosplay with knee-high boots and a vine dress. And she's got three pink hair tails. And she is just a big polygonal lady. Yeah, she's Pol like... Polygonal? Polygonal. She's three... Three times as tall as Link is. Adult Link is. Yeah, she's like three times as tall as a regular human in this. Or Hylian. Hylian. <laughs> um, but the power of this great fairy is you get a magic meter. And this lets you do... At first, it just lets you do spin attacks. There's other stuff that's powered by the magic meter later on. But it's pretty cool because when I do the quick spin, which I already used to dispatch a lizard earlier, then it will... Um, put the magic thing around it, and that gives you an actual larger attack. Yeah. You can push and hold B, and Link will, like, get a spin attack ready. Or if you quickly swirl the meter and push B, it, Link will just immediately do a spin attack. And I really appreciate that if you do the quick spin, it actually doesn't take part of your magic meter to do it. Oh. Yeah, I just I noticed, just noticed that looking at it. Yeah, so that's one of the benefits of... Um, I mean, it's not like it's a hard technique, but getting used to spinning the control stick, like, and just being able to do a quick spin every time. Spin, spin, spin. Also, the the owl is out here. We met him twice in the woods. I don't remember if we mentioned it, but he's up here at the top of Death Mountain. And if you want, you can ride him down to Kakarika Village, and you get a pretty cool cutscene in the process. Yeah, this is one of two owl warps that I can think of. Um, one of them is at Lake Hylia, and the other is, of course, right here. But this takes you all the way down to Kakariko, so it would be like, what, like a minute of me sort of walking back and forth, maybe jumping down a cliff and taking some damage. But instead, it takes you right to the, right to the city. 
He drops you off on the roof of Impa's house, which is how you would have gotten the heart piece in the cow pen that we got last episode. We used a kaku to do it, and um, I think that's pretty fun. Yes. But you can only do it during the day, and you have to avoid a guy. And if you just wait for the owl, then it's basically free. Yeah. Also, we're destroying some more gold sculptures because we arrived in the village at night. We're at seven gold sculpture tokens collected, and you get rewards... Every 10. Every 10. Up to, like, 40, and then you have to have, uh, I think, 100. Maybe there's one it's reward like 50, at 50. 30, 40, maybe 50, and then the final one's at 100. But uh, I remember the important things are the two wallet upgrades and a heart piece. I think they also give you the Stone of Agony, which is in the shape of the Rumble Pack for the N64 controller. Um, it's nice playing on the GameCube remake, which has Rumble built in, and then, like, we're using a GameCube controller. Yeah. Uh, one of those nice, um, that, uh, what is it, Smash, is that a Smash Ultimate controller? Yeah, or a Smash the Wii U 4? USB adapter that was designed for Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. Yeah, it's just got that nice, like, blazing Smash symbol. Yeah. Um... So leaving think Kakariko, really good yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good branding. Leaving Kakariko, we get to Zora's River, and even though we just talked to the owl like two minutes ago, we get to talk to the owl again. Um, and he says that the door to Zora's domain won't open for anyone that doesn't have a connection to the royal family, which doesn't make much sense when you think about it. Because like, why, why would the Zoras want to keep? I mean. I guess if they just live in this insular society, but, like, don't they have to trade, like, selling fish or whatever? Maybe they don't. Yeah, it could be they don't. Um, the pathway going up Zora's River is pretty fun. There's a chicken near the start, and if you use the chicken, you can uh, do a little bit of gliding between all the little jumps and stuff over the stream. I kind of think this is one of the best designed areas of the game. Um... It's a little obstacle course. The river constantly takes you from the Zora end to the Hyrule Field end. There's two little, like, obstacle course hearts to get. And one I just, like, leapt over all the little chasms and left the chicken behind there. Um, yeah. Heart piece. You can get one piece of heart. And you can see it from so many angles because it's, like, right in the center. It's just so high up. Um, yeah. Do a little jump down to where the chicken is. Past the frog stump. Not going to that right now, because yeah. we don't have all six songs. And plus, I don't think I'm going to do that, because it takes forever. Yeah. Uh, then you get we're... a piece of heart, right? You do, after you complete all the songs, and then you get another one by uh, doing their little mini-game. And... Mm, it's just... Uh, I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the pieces of heart are neat, but not too essential. Uh, so... All the stuff where you do get a piece of heart, again, it's sort of like, eh. Okay, so we yes. come to this last section, and you can see the entrance to the Zora's Domain, and there's, like, these curving paths above it that sort of go through the air. And it's like, I never really thought about this in the past, but this is a weird rock formation. Oh, But yeah. it makes for a great level. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the most weird rock formation. And we got that second heart piece. And this again, a little, a little harder to spot. You, you easily might not see it if you're coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's still like just high up, like mostly out in the open, like an 
like a cool, like, how do I get over there kind of thing. Yeah. And then you remember the chicken and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to bring a chicken all the way up here. Yeah. And so I knew that there would be a, um, we were almost at sundown and that suddenly a gold sculpture would appear on a little ladder that's in this area. So I just hung around until the sunset. Um, and then I took it out with the slingshot. Oh yeah, Zora's, Zora's River has a day-night cycle. We were we were sort of tracking what has day-night and what doesn't. Yeah, most of the areas that have sort of like an actual open sky have a day-night cycle. Um, Okiri and Kakariko don't, and I think that's it. Also, the market town doesn't have a cycle. Market town. Um... Other than that, I, I can't think of any... Oh, wait, Gerudo Town, or Gerudo Village? Whichever one. The Gerudo Village... Um, I think it's Gerudo Fortress. Gerudo Fortress has an open sky and no move cycle, but Gerudo Valley, which is the area before it, does does have a... Um, it keeps track of time. Yeah. Um... We just opened the Zora's Domain with that uh, Zelda's Lullaby. It opens a, uh, like the water, the sheet of water from the waterfall opens up and reveals a door that lets you go in. A very cool cavern with like a sort of lake, and then you can travel up the side and go in these stairs and go to the King's Chamber, which is on like the next level up. There's only two major levels. Um, uh, but then we skip talking to the king, we run out the left to the little waterfall above the lake, and we speak to a minigame person, who's actually a mandatory minigame. Yeah. Um, you learn how to dive in this, which is like a reprise of diving in the, um, uh, Deku uh, tree dungeon. Oh, yeah. Because you had to dive for that little switch. Yeah, you had um, to dive for one thing. If you do it just right when you're falling off the waterfall, you can fall right onto one of the rupees because your initial dive takes you just low enough to grab it in the water. Yeah, so so the way the minigame works is that he throws uh, five little test rupees into the water underneath the waterfall, and you have to collect the test rupees Um I think they're silver colored, but they're only worth like one each. No, those are those are blue rupees. Oh, so those blues. are those are fivers. Um, but once you've beaten the game once and you get the um, the prize, the silver scale here, then when you play it again, he throws down four blues and a red, so you double your money every time you get all the. Ooh. Unfortunately, Child Link can only hold ninety nine rupees at a time, so the fact that you get double money. Not nearly as advantageous as it sounds. Right, right, because we haven't gotten that first uh, Skullchilla wallet upgrade. Uh, yeah, do you need the Skullchilla wallet upgrade? I don't think it's necessary to be able to carry 200 rupees to win the game, but it's just very convenient, I guess, for some things. Rupees aren't super useful, I guess. Well, they're basically garbage in Ocarina of Time. You can use them to buy the special tunics, but you can also get the special tunics via... Story events. events. So... But you could, not not that you probably will, you can lose tunics to a like-like as an adult. The like-like will eat you, and if you don't kill the like-like fast enough, the tunic's gone. Yeah. 
So with, with this scale that the minigame guy gives us, we can dive deeper than before. Uh, previously, your depth limit was like three, and now it's five. I think it's six now. Yeah. And uh, then the ultimate, the gold scale, which we will not be getting in this playthrough, allows you to uh, go ten, and you can get a heart piece with it. I don't know that diving to 10 is actually useful in any scenario other than that. Like, diving is not... Well, as an adult, you get the iron boots, which lets you walk on the basement, uh, on, the, on the water base uh, level, so I don't... Diving doesn't seem useful in comparison to that. You know what I did realize, as you were saying that, is that you could potentially dive down with the scale so that you're spending less time... Um, just sinking with the iron boots and you can get yourself mm. closer to the bottom. I don't know how big a difference it makes, though. I think it's about the same speed. Yeah, it's probably about the same speed. Yeah. Uh, but with the deeper dive, you can go through underground or an underwater connection, which gates you to Lake Hylia on the far side of Hyrule Field. And in Lake Hylia, there's a bottle or message in a bottle. That requires the uh, silver scale to grab. Yeah. So we grabbed that and went back to Zora's domain. We're in the king's chamber and we're presenting the letter. Because apparently Link's an arc. Yeah, Link is an arc. Oh, this letter. It's from Princess Rudo. Let's see. She's inside Lord Jabu Jabu. That's not possible. Our guardian god, Lord Jabu Jabu, would never eat my dear princess. But since that stranger Ganondorf came here, Lord Jabu Jabu has been a little greener on the gills. The evidence seems clear. Of course, you'll go find Rudo. You can pass through here to the author of Lord Jabu Jabu. I'll keep this letter. You keep the bottle it was in. Take it respectfully. Please find my dear Princess Rudo immediately. And then the king proceeds to do the slowest cutscene. I'm. It's like a comedy cutscene that I that I really like because the 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 king just moves so slow and he he's inches like, like four inches at a time over to the side, but he's a giant sumo wrestler fish man, so going four inches, uh, you gotta do it a lot of times. Yeah, he, he's just scooting away. I mean, in some of the games, like in Breath of the Wild, they actually make him even gianter. He's like seriously massive in that game. He's like three stories high, probably like ten links wide. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of videos of people building cabins and stuff in the woods, and they build stronger, they build smaller structures than the Breath of the Wild uh, King Zora. He is ridiculously fitting thick. him in a house has got to be hard. You, you, you have gotta, to build the house around him. I'm sure. I mean, that Zora's domain in that other game is huge. Also, climbing the giant fish from that is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. So we. Um, uh, I forgot to get grab a fish after handing the the letter, so we have to jump down to the lower portion of the uh, Zora's domain where there are fish swimming around in the uh, lake portion. Again, there's a shallow portion where the fish are just swimming around, and if you pull out a bottle, then you can just get a fish in a bottle, which is almost as good as a ship in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> good old fish in a bottle. Always so happy to get those. Yeah. Um, and then you can present the fish to Lord Jabu Jabu and be uh, eaten whole when it uh, 
sucks up the whole area to get the one fish. Yeah, his Lord Jabba Jabba isn't very mobile, so his tactic is to open his mouth and just inhale really hard and suck everything in, which picks up the fish. It just also picks up Link. Yeah. Uh, but for a moment here, instead of going to Lord Jabu Jabu, we are going to run around to the side and get to a second fairy fountain. Um, this one will give us uh, Ferrore's Wind. I've decided that that's how I'm going to pronounce it, Ferrore, Ferrore. since it is a Japanese word and... I'm just assuming that's the way the syllables all fit together. Uh, we could look up what the katakana is, but I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, Clearly, we're very informed. We're the most informed. So, so in, in like a little back corner of this Lord Jabu Jabu's pond area, there is some suspicious looking rocks against a wall. One of the rocks is, in fact, partially into the wall, indicating that... Maybe it's not a normal wall. Yeah, maybe it's not a normal wall. And this goes to another great fairy's fountain. This one looks like the one on the top of Death Mountain, except the flames. The flames. The to these torches here are green flames instead of uh, the normal red orange. I think also the background walls, instead of being like a light blue, they're like a uh, like a lilac in here. Yeah. Do you see that? It's kind. Of, it's not as noticeable as the flames, which are really obvious. But yeah, I couldn't remember if the first one had lilac walls or not. So in this one, they're all the same great fairy, but they all lay in different poses. The last one was sort of standing upright in the air, and this one is laying on her side uh, luxuriously. Um, in Majora's Mask, they're all different color themes, though. Yeah, I like the color theme variations better. Yeah, like five different hair colors. I think one for Clocktown and one for each of the four major regions. Clocktown's a major region, right? Sure. <laughs> Um, Favora's Wind is a warp. You can place it and then you can warp back to it from anywhere. Uh, I didn't know at first, but I was told when we did the original playthrough of this that you can warp between dungeons? That's correct. You can set down a point in any mappable dungeon, anywhere where you can collect a dungeon map, and you can teleport to that room from any other mappable dungeon. Or the same dungeon. So um, uh, you do have to take into account limitations like if you're in one of those big maze rooms, the wind will only take you to the door that you entered through, um, not to whatever spot you placed it. So Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is about it for the episode. We're not exactly done, but... The last thing to do is go into Lord Jabba Jabba's belly, and then we're going to call it there. Yeah. Because um, Lord Jabba Jabba's belly, obviously an entire dungeon would be a, a, like a, a big debacle, and we're getting close to time. Yeah, so I mean, our three our three dungeons as a child, um, discounting the, the well, which we'll come back to after being an adult, the three dungeons are the inside of a tree god, right. um, a creepy cave where we have to defeat a dinosaur, and then the inside of a fish god. Yeah. All right. So I think that this means that the the inside of the cave is actually the inside of a dinosaur god, right? Well, we literally enter that giant dinosaur skull. Yeah. All right. So so Child Link is all about going inside of giant god monsters and doing stuff on their insides. To like 
help people. Yeah, to help people. It's not sinister, but it's certainly... Oh, describe this strange. opening cavern of Jabu Jabu's belly. Oh, yeah. So you're inside of his mouth, and he's got, like, like the things, the switches that let you toggle to open a door. door the doors have, like, webbing over them instead of bars, and you hit a switch that looks like a uvula, and then that will do the stuff. But it's all, like, pinkish, because it's the inside of a creature. It's, like, the inner meat of this fish. And yeah. then, like... If you slash the walls, then it, they jiggle. Some blue blood comes out, and it's clear that uh, it's yeah that the dungeon's upset. Jabu Jabu can feel it, and uh, it seal his teeth from the inside of his mouth. Yeah, it's it's pretty gruesome. I think if they they'd have to make it more cartoony if they did a remake of it, because it would be kind of like disgusting horror if they made it more realistic looking if when they did a remake of it. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to cut off this episode now and hopefully the next episode will get the audio correct uh, so that we don't have to do the director's commentary format. Yeah, I mean, that way you'd be able to hear the sound effects and stuff. It's really the biggest difference that you'd have. But see you folks.